Hello, Giants fans, and welcome to a draft day edition of the Valentine's News podcast. This the show is coming to you on on Thursday morning as we await the uh, the beginning of the 2020 NFL draft. And uh, here to here to to help me uh, talk about the Giants, talk about the different scenarios, is good friend Emery Hunt of uh, Football Game Plan. Em, how you doing? I'm doing fine, Ed. As always, it's a pleasure to join you and, and talk some football. Hey, so uh, you know, if folks, uh, if folks ha- have missed them, Emery's been doing some uh, some YouTube videos for Big Blue View on our uh, our our long uh, unused uh, YouTube channel that that we're we're trying to to build up. Em, you you know, some some great work so far. Uh, you know, making the case videos on uh, Isaiah Simmons. Andrew Thomas and uh, and Henry Ruggs, uh, thank you for those. Really good work. Not a problem, and I'm I'm glad folks are uh, some folks understand the whole concept of making a case. Um, and you know, some folks think that you're saying that this is the pick they should go with. No, the the point is you can make a case for everybody in the draft. It's just you looked at some. I looked at some of the the you know needs for the Giants and took the best players that I feel like are at that position and made a case for them. So I don't I don't get why people don't understand. I'm pretty sure a lot of people didn't even watch the video before they made a comment, but that's <laughs> par for the course. With, oh, with oh, 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 of course it is, Em. You know, you uh, when, when we write things at Big Blue View, a lot of times I see, uh, you know, people dive right from the headline to the comments or right from the headline to... Uh, to Twitter to to say whatever they're going to say and, and and my comment so often for people is did you actually read what I wrote and in your <laughs> case you know did you actually read what I wrote because what you're saying makes no sense at all <laughs> so right I answered your question or your concern in the article matter of fact it, exactly and three <laughs> exactly you know I did this year I did eleven different seven round simulated giants mock drafts and to be honest with you i wasn't trying to be right in a single one of those mock drafts i was trying to present different scenarios give people an opportunity to discuss different players at different points in the draft and get to know different players because if I do the same mock draft 11 weeks in a row, what's the point? You know? Well, see, that, that's the thing Ed, with, with mock drafts that I've noticed. And, and you brought up a, an excellent point that I think is what uh, kind of drives the perception of the public. You know, if people do mock drafts constantly, right, and they constantly talk about the same players, um, people get fixated on those players and thinking those players are the actual picks or thought process of the team when it's not the case. Just because you can, just because you say uh, the Giants should be taking, let's say, Tristan Wurst. If you constantly say Tristan Wurst at the Giants for six weeks straight, then when they go with, you know, let's say if they go with Makai Becton, then everyone is like, oh man, it should have picked Tristan Wurst. Like, why would you say that? Because, well, I've seen Tristan Wurst in the mock drafts. Like, yeah, it's just a mock draft, but I like how you did it. You always give people different people to talk about because that gives them that that sets the you know the process, the ball in motion as far as 
you know, being able to understand that there's more than one player out there. And it's okay if they don't take player A because player B could be just as good. Exactly. And yet, you know, the the comments that you get are, that's wrong. (laughs) Right. You're wrong. What are you doing? And and, and I love your, uh, when, when you do your mocks at football game plan, I think it's rule number five. And I think it's, Chill, people. It's a mock draft. <laughs> it's a mock draft. Like just chill out. Like my chill whole. Out. I I I only do uh, three mock drafts a year. I do a midseason mock draft, which is just names of popular players. I do my small college mock draft, which is introducing people to thirty-two small college prospects that you should sort of get familiar with. And I do my team by team seven-round mock draft. So I I only do three. And they have specific purposes because I can't do it. I don't see how folks do mock drafts every day, all day, because that right there could get annoying. That seven round mock draft took me legitimately three days to do. Wow. Of course, you're making each and every one of the 255 picks, you know, and 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 folks like me are just cheating. I mean, we're letting the computer make the rest of the picks and just picking for one team. But you know what sucks, though, is when you're. And this happened uh, while this year when I was doing the seven round mock draft. I'm in round four, and like three big free agency signings happen. And I'm and I'm going back and I'm looking like, oh, now I got to change this. I got to. They don't need. They don't have a need there anymore. So you know, it's like ah, stuff kept happening while I was actually trying to get through the mock. And and the problem with that is the problem with that, of course, is that that free agent signing probably doesn't just change one pick it probably because it changes who's available for other teams too so it probably changes a handful of picks yep so you got to go back and look at how you slotted certain guys and um let's say if you if you're looking at a strong safety and i gave a strong i gave antoine winfield to a team and they go out and sign two safeties that are slated to start and you like well, geez, I can't, I can't give them, I can't still give them Antoine Winfield. I got to go back now and look at, okay, who needs a safety? Do I change that pick and move this other pick to another team that has a need? And you, you're right, you got to. It, it affects at least six or seven picks because one pick changed completely because of what they did in free agency. But that's how that's how the real draft operates. That's true. You know, Em, I'll just keep doing the simulated mock drafts and knock that sucker off in a half an hour. <laughs> smart man <laughs> but uh hey let's let's talk a little bit about the real draft and and one of your making the case videos for us was isaiah simmons and that's that's where you started and you and i have talked about this enough that i know isaiah simmons would be your choice you know if, if you were sitting there with with dave gettleman's you know one little laptop in his 25,000 page binder and you were making the choice for the Giants yourself I I know Simmons would be your guy so go ahead and make your pitch for why well Simmons to me is the perfect matchup piece and when you have those matchup pieces in today's game especially within that division you're playing Philadelphia with a mobile quarterback and two excellent tight ends you're playing Dallas with a mobile quarterback that also likes to throw the football over the middle of the field so you have a guy that could drop back in zone you're playing the Redskins uh, with a guy in Dwayne Haskins that is a pocket passer that you can affect the pocket by blitzing. And I think Simmons is a guy that doesn't get enough credit for what he can do as a blitzer. So when you just look at how you can win your division, 
Simmons is a guy that that gives you a chance each and every game against the Cowboys, Eagles, and Redskins. All right. We also know that the probability, you know, with with four of them sitting there to choose from, the probability with with those four offensive tackles and Dave Gettleman having said that the Giants still have a lot of work to do on the offensive line and you know his love for the guys that he calls hog mollies the probability is that the Giants will go offensive tackle so I'm sort of and really the way I look at it between the four guys Mackay Becton Jedrick Wills uh, Tristan Wirfs and Andrew Thomas to me after all this time, there's no absolute right answer. There's no absolute wrong answer. I mean, the, the the probability is that all four of those guys, in some fashion, are going to wind up being good NFL players. So I guess what I'm going to ask you to do is take each one of those guys and make your sort of quick elevator pitch You know, for why each one of those guys could be the pick for the Giants. Okay, that's a good, I'll take that bet. Let's start with Andrew Thomas. And the quickest thing I can say for him is that he's a plug-and-play guy. He can play left or right tackle, started a lot of games in the SEC. He's technically sound, doesn't need much grooming or sitting. And in this COVID-19 era that we're in, he is more ready to play at either tackle spot day one and help your football team. For Makai Becton, you're getting a guy that has tremendous upside, and he's a young player that has the physical traits that you want at the position to play either left or right tackle. He's dominant in the run game, and with his body, you know if you take it as for what it is worth now and add pro strength, conditioning, and nutrition to it, you can mold him into exactly what you want him to be. You look at a guy that has a, a chance to be, he, because of his size, a guy that's looking like a you know, a Trent Williams or let's say, uh, you know, um, Jonathan Ogden with that size, how big he is, but more likely a Trent Williams type of a guy that you can have and groom over time. So he has the upside for Jedrick Wills. You're getting a guy that can step in right now on the right side. If you want him to be your starting right tackle, I think he can do that right away. If people think he's able to play guard, yes, he can play guard as well because he has good core strength in the run game so you're getting a guy that gives you some versatility as far as being a tackle and or a guard and Tristan Wirfs has really good athleticism he can get out there on the perimeter in the run game knowing coming from Iowa you know he was well coached he's disciplined and he's technically sound so when you have a disciplined technically sound player and if you're looking for a plug-and-play guy he got he goes up to the top of the list uh, along with Andrew Thomas as a guy that you don't have to do much grooming you can draft him and plug him in, and he's ready to go day one. All right, so one of the things that uh, that is going to determine how the top 10 of this draft goes, you know, what the Giants are able to do, the players that they're going to be able to pick from, is how people perceive the, uh, the two quarterbacks that could be, you know, after Joe Burrow. We're talking about Tua Tagovailoa and, and Justin Herbert. And I'm sure you keep seeing all the chatter, you know, as well as I do, that that maybe Tua will fall, you know, somewhat in the draft. That teams don't seem to think that uh, 
that they're going to need to trade up to get their quarterback. You know, if if Herbert or Tagovailoa is is the guy that they want, what's your guess on on how all of that's going to play out? Are the Giants going to be able to trade back? And, and really, you know, what's what's your take on those two on those two quarterbacks? I think the Giants could have an opportunity to trade back maybe to five, maybe swapping picks with the Dolphins, you know, um, and still and gaining an extra pick while also not losing, the, you know, the guy that they want that they were going to pick at four, they can get at five. Um, so I think that's a realistic opportunity because if they go down to nine to Jacksonville, you run the risk of teams jumping ahead of you to get the guy that you want. So I think the safe trade would be to move down one spot and take that extra pick, whether it's a second-round pick or the last first-round pick from Miami, and swap spots with them. We saw Chicago do this uh, a couple years ago when they you know, took Tr- Mitch Trubisky, traded up one spot to take Trubisky uh, in the draft. So I think that's a realistic opportunity. Now, if you're looking at the two quarterbacks, I, I would feel more comfortable with Tua, even with his injury history, over a healthy Justin Herbert. I don't think Herbert is that good of a prospect. Every time you watched him play over the last four years, you just came away wanting to see what everyone was talking about with him. And I know the the thought was floated out there earlier in the week about, you know, the Giants you know, did a lot of work on uh, Herbert. Well, yeah, that's true because they did work on him last year. I thought he was going to come out. He didn't come out. So, yeah, I would expect him to have work. And if some folks think they may take Justin Herbert – Let's say if you're comparing Justin Herbert to uh, Daniel Jones, there's a wash there. And at, at least you saw with Jones, he gives you uh, a, some upside because he played at Duke and, you know, he's a good athlete. He's, you know, he's able to run, even though Herbert is a good athlete as well. But Herbert wasn't as dominant at the power five level, you know, the Oregon level as Daniel Jones was able to play well at Duke. So you kind of look at both guys as being similar. So you might as well just dance with the devil you know. Now, if the discussion was Herbert, I mean, um, Tua over Daniel Jones, then you can have a discussion, okay, well, Tua is a better player. Now you bring up, well, he's hurt. We we really need an impact player. um, And a defensive player or an offensive tackle can get us that right away, more so than taking Tua. Because then if you take Tua, Who's going to want Daniel Jones? Because you just singled out to everybody that our quarterback isn't good, you know. And you saw that happen with the with the Cardinals when they took Kyler Murray. That really decreased the value of Josh Rosen. So you know, they, granted, they were able to get a second round pick for Rosen, but you know, you see but how think, that worked out. I think I think that second round pick though was really a glorified third round pick because I think that second round pick was was sixty second overall. So you yeah, turn it was, it was there. It was there later. Uh, it was the right. la- they had two, and it was they gave him the the last one. So you're right. It, it was essentially a third round pick. Where did they take Rosen initially? What was he ten? Top ten. So you so basically was... you turned ten into sixty two. Exactly. And and, and, and and what sense does that make? None. And, and and you look at the team last year, they they probably could have used that 62nd pick instead of using Rosen, you know. Um, so that's that's why I don't I don't buy the talk of them taking a quarterback because they would lose trade value with Daniel Jones. You know, so I think the best option is to probably if you're going to trade down, um, 
move down one spot with Miami and try to pick up an extra first or their high second round pick. So let me ask you this. You know, you're sitting there Thursday night, you're watching the draft, you're you're seeing everything unfold. Obviously, it's going to be conducted a lot differently than any draft that we're used to. What are you looking forward to watching the most? Is it is it waiting for for a curveball? Is it just sort of watching, you know, how it unfolds in terms of how teams do this? What are you really looking forward to watching? I'm looking forward to seeing how the 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 talent gets picked. You know, because some people say, uh, some people, well, you take the best player. Some people say you don't draft for need. And you just, I just like seeing how it all fo- unfolds. Um, because there's a lot of different philosophies out there. And you just want to see how it is able to come together pick by pick. Because if it's the best player available, then the Bengals should take Chase Young. But if it's the best player available at your biggest position of need, then they take Joe Burrow. So you have those two kind of philosophies, uh, two schools of thought going into a draft, and it's always fascinating to see how it plays out. It is, and, and the reality of it is, I think, to be honest with you, there is no such thing as the absolute best player available, simply because after you get past one or two picks, after you get past maybe the first player or two, I don't think anybody agrees on, in, you know, in under normal circumstances on, on you know, on a, a list of one through 100, who the best players are. There is always the way I look at it, you know, the, the, the idea that need impacts value or need impacts who a team considers to be the best player. And, and Dave Gettleman kind of hinted at this the other day in his, uh, in his pre-draft conference call because he said if you, if you have a player with a 98 grade and then a player with a 96 grade, he said it's okay to take the player with the 96 grade if it's at a position where you think you need more help. So I, so I guess the question is, do you really think that that best player available actually exists? Here's what I think, honestly. I think there's no such thing as positional value because if you just draft good players, positional value takes care of itself. And, you know, if, as far as best player available, you're right. It is all relative to the team. Because there may be a team out there. There was a team out there in 2017 that thought Mr. Trubisky was the best quarterback available out of Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. So that tells you that every uh, team thinks differently. The Browns in 2017 thought Miles Garrett was worth more than Patrick Mahomes or Deshaun Watson. And so every team is different. And you're right. Well, we think may be a consensus that everyone thinks Chase Young is great. They may be a team out there that thinks he's their fourth best defensive end. So you're right. You really never know. Yeah, and it's interesting, too, because we talk about offensive tackle, offensive tackle, offensive tackle for the Giants. And the thing that I think about is we talk about all four of these of these guys. If it was the Dallas Cowboys sitting at number four, I don't think we'd be talking about any of these tackles. 
So it just it it has a, the it position changes, has I, a different value depending on what team you're talking about. No, you're right. It, that, that's a great point. It definitely changes on the team. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about uh, about you know a, as you look at the draft, where do you think? I'm just curious. Where do you think a curveball might come? I mean, there's always a curveball. There's always somebody that does something. You know, like take Cleveland Farrell number four overall. Where do you where do you think the curveball is going to come in, in this draft? I, I would say pick three, because as much as and this is the part of the mock that we've talked about how mock drafts so go. As much as we've seen Okuda to Detroit, I think people have become fixated on Okuda to Detroit, and yes, Detroit could use a corner, um, and he to me is the best corner in the draft but do they think he's the best corner in the draft and do they think they can get the best corner in the draft at pick six as opposed to pick three you know so i think detroit is when we're going to see the first real curveball because they may take isaiah simmons they may take a quarterback they may take the corner or they may trade so i think the draft doesn't truly start until Detroit, and I think that's where we'll see the first curveball. Because I have a feeling it may not be Akuda at three. Yeah, I think you're you're probably you know I don't, I don't know who it's going to be there, but it comes back to to kind of what you've been talking about. Everybody, as soon as the Lions traded Darius Slay, it was like up oh, they're taking Akuda, and that just became sort of groupthink, common knowledge you know, sort of accepted as, as what was going to happen. And and you're right, it may not happen. So, of course, we, we never know because the draft is sort of a, a human, it's it's a human thing and, and people are under pressure and they have a certain amount of time and, and, and you never know what people are going to do. You Do you think at all that the, that the remote setup of this draft or that the, even that the fact that teams haven't been able to work players out that they haven't been able to hold the pro days and the visits. Do you think that's, I, I, how do you think that's going to impact what we see once the draft starts? You know, that's a good question. I think it'll impact day three um, because you know what, to be honest, I think it may impact the entire draft uh, because now you're going to rely more on the guys who have been out there studying these guys for two years. And that's the scouts. Because what happens in on draft day and what happens in draft rooms, I I imagine, is that the coaches jump into the process at the combine. And because their success is genuinely tied to or generally tied to the success of the GM, those who will lock will be lockstep. If the coach wants player A, then I got to get player A because I need him to have success because we could both be gone. But the scout has done two years of work on a player and they're telling you that, hey, player A is not that good. But the coach saw him work out at the combine, saw him work out at the pro day, fell in love with those two non-football related, uh, you know, exercises, and now wants this guy hella high water. And when the scout had seen him play in actual games live, talk to coaches there live at the on the campus, talk to the doctors on the campus, has all this work that he's done on this player, and the GM will do his own thing, and the coach will either do his own thing or want the, you know, take the advice of the GM. Now, I think with the way the uh, COVID-19 has, you know, turned this whole thing upside down, they have no choice but to listen to the scouts. And now if you have a great staff of scouts, it will show with the amount of work they've done on players 
And I think they'll lean more on scouts this year as opposed to years previous. So I guess that leads to the question of if they're going to lean on scouts, do you feel like the Giants are, are well positioned you know, with, with a largely veteran scouting staff? Are they well positioned to, to take advantage of this draft? I think so. And I think, you know, having spoken to four different giant scouts on my travels, whether it's all-star games or at games that I'm, that I'm scouting or games that I'm broadcasting. So I've met four different giant scouts and, you know, we constantly talk. I've seen giant scouts at XFL's game, XFL games. So I like their, their thought process, the, the way they see things. And I'm not saying this because we tend to see things the same way. But I just like how they are seeing things. And, you know, if given an opportunity, you know, their voice will will help, you know, will help uh, the team make really good decisions on guys that they can bring in. Because if you notice, a lot of undrafted guys, that's the scouts pick right there. And the Giants, I think, have done a solid job over the course of the time I've been covering the team. We're bringing in some really good undrafted free agents that have ended up making the team and also making the 53 and making plays out there on the field. No, Em, it's going to be really, really interesting to see what happens in beginning on Thursday night. It's going to be a weird draft. It's going to be different than, uh, you know, than, than what we're used to. Last question for you. You know, somebody asked me this in a, in a mailbag question the other day, they asked me, you know, sort of what I would miss about the, the draft, the whole, you know, with all the, all the glitz and glamour and all of that being being you know being uh, removed from it, and and to be honest with you, I never actually watch the draft. I I work the draft. I you know I deal with with the trackers and and what happens on Twitter and gathering information and and putting that stuff stuff together for for Big Blue View. So I guess the question is, do you really sit and watch the draft? Are you working the draft? Are are you gonna you know, what are you gonna miss about the about the, the normal what we normally see, you know, on TV on draft night? I miss working it, um, because usually I'm in New York City, uh in studio with Fantasy Sports Network doing the live um pick analysis for each pick of the first round and then I'm usually for day two, either at the draft physically or on, you know, a live show covering the prospects that are get picked. So this year I'll be doing a live, uh, I'll be on a live show, Cheeseheads TV, which covers the Packers, uh, doing the first round and then CBS sports, um, doing some stuff on day two and day three prospects, uh, during that day and watching the draft at night. So it'll be it'll be unique this year, all virtual, but glad I don't have to travel as often as I, I do. All right, Em. As always, we we thank you for for spending some time. We'll be we'll be looking forward to uh, to seeing what unfolds on uh on Thursday night Giants fans, thank you very much for listening. Make sure you check out all of our coverage at Big Blue View and all of our other platforms, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, thanks to Emery, and uh, and follow us on Twitter at Big Blue View. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Bye bye.